Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We've been learning Bible verses together, uh, 50 foundational verses, and uh, I would like to give you an opportunity to say today's verse if you learned it, and if you didn't learn it, don't, I'm not going to make you stand up or anything, but uh, if you would, if you did learn this verse or think you learned part of it, <laughs> okay, um, I'd like you to say it with me, uh, and uh, we haven't done this every week, but uh, just to keep this in front of us, there are little pamphlets in the back that have the verses on there. You can go to our church website as well, along with our other grace churches around the country. Um, uh, we are trying to learn uh, 50 key verses and uh, Bible memory and to learn these scriptures. And it's a challenge for me, too. I'm not real great at memory, so I have to work hard at it. But today, uh, 1 Thessalonians one five. So if you if you think you know it, um, or uh, think you know part of it, would you say it with me, audibly, like out loud? <laughs> You're supposed to talk. So we'll start uh, we'll start with the with the scripture. First Thessalonians one five. Thank you guys. Very good. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with Power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how He lived among you for your sake. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Jenny. Good job. <laughs> uh, that verse from Thessalonians, that I love that passage of Scripture because it's in that passage that Paul talks about how we cared for you, how we nurtured you. They lived... We live with you. We didn't just come and, and talk at you and leave, but we shared the gospel. And I really love that how Paul says that the, that the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it, it came with power because it's God's words. As we open God's word now, this, this is, I'm here to, to share and to give you some thoughts, but it, it's God's word. And it's, it's powerful because it's from God and it's God's revelation. The word came with the Holy Spirit. And the things we're going to look at this morning from Ephesians chapter 4 might seem a little bit daunting to think, could we really live this way? Could I really do this? But we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is given to enable us. And Paul says that we, we approach this with deep conviction. And of course we know that in order for God's, for God's word to change our lives with his power and with the Holy Spirit, we have to believe it. You know, we are, we are not called to live perfect lives. You know, we, you, you are not going to be able to live perfect. But you can live a life pleasing to God. But you have to have a conviction and a deep conviction that it's, that it's worth living for God. It means something. Our life does matter. And so as we've studied Ephesians together, as you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to remind you that as we come to this passage of Scripture, the things that we are going to talk about today are applications or therefores that are based on the truth that Paul has been teaching, that we have been looking at together, that basically come down to who we are in Jesus Christ. We are new creations. We are in Christ. We are identified with Christ. When God looks at us, 
He sees us in Jesus Christ. We are not about trying to earn our salvation or trying to make God love us more. Listen, God is never going to love you any more than he loves you right now. Do you you believe that? Do you believe that? You know, sometimes we have a nagging sense that, you know, if I could only get rid of this, if I could change this, if I could do that. And we're going to talk about doing today. These are imperatives. These are commands. But I want to remind you, God is not going to love you any more than he, he loves you with perfect love right now because you are in Christ Jesus. Christ died for you. He paid for your sins. Your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are in Christ Jesus. And God, and God loves you. And God is going to enable us to put into practice what we have learned about the ministry and, and who we are today in the church, the body of Christ. He is the head. We are his body. We are united. We are one. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, but let's have a word of prayer as we open God's word. Heavenly Father, as we consider these uh, imperatives, these commands today, Lord, uh, we pray that we will take them to heart and that we will realize that you do not call us to do anything that you will not enable us to do because your Holy Spirit is powerful and lives within us. And so we give this next few moments to you and maybe understand your word and apply it to our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, last week we began this series of, you know, imperatives, these commands based on what Paul has, has taught us of putting off and putting on. Put off the old man, put on the new man. You have put off the old man, you have put on the new man. So we have this double thought that we see in Scripture that um, we have already, we are a new creation. I'm a new creation. I have put off the old man. I have put on the new me. Behold, all things have become new. If any man be in Christ, any person be in Christ, you are a new creation. You are not half old and half new. You are a new creation. So then Paul says, so in your daily life, as you walk with the Lord each day, put that on in your practice and how you live. Let it be reflected let the real you be reflected in how you live. And so last week, we just we began this series of commands, these, these imperatives. These are not suggestions. These are not good ideas. These are, these are commands that we have been given that God wants us to do. But he enables us to do these things. And we looked last week at the very first one, verse 25, to put off falsehood and speak truthfully to our neighbors. Now, we're going to notice in these commands, for the most part, there is a, there is a, not always in the exact same order, but there is a negative, don't do this. There is a positive, instead do this. And there is a reason for doing it. And this is the wonderful thing about God's word. It'd be one thing if God just says, uh, Jim, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. But he gives me clear instructions as, as to replace the don'ts with the do's. You know, and for those of you that maybe have struggled with various uh, addictions or, 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 or are struggling, and I know we have those who've recovered from, uh, you know, for example, alcohol, substance abuse, you know, sexual addictions and so forth, then we know that what's important is, is, is it's one thing to, to put away something, but it's, it's so much better to replace it with, with the good with something else. And that's an important thing, to put it off, to, but to replace it with the good. And so we have very clear, practical application for our lives here to put off, but to replace it with and put on instead. 
So there's a negative, there's a positive, and there's a reason for doing it. So let's look at, let's look at verse 26. And I think all of us can relate to this. Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. There's, there's the negative. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold in your anger. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And don't give Satan a foothold in your life. Now, this, this is one that has been a challenge for many people to look at this and say, what exactly is Paul saying here? Because it is interesting, this is an imperative. It's a command, right? So if I say to you, be angry, be angry, that's a command. I say, well, gee, what's Pastor Jim saying? I guess he wants me to be angry, so I'll be angry, right? Be angry, ah, you know, look at me angry, you know. The, be angry, it's an imperative. And that's what it is. And so there's, there's been sort of this dilemma with this one, because as we read through this, we're going to see in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. So Paul, on one hand, says be angry, but then he says get rid of anger. And, um, and so what does this mean? Well, there are some different, as you can imagine, interpretations or understandings of this. Uh, some suggest that, that what Paul is saying is, I know you're going to be angry, but don't sin. By being angry. Um, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think that when, when Paul says, be angry in an imperative, be angry and sin not, I think that's exactly what he means. And I think there is a case that certainly can be made because the same word anger is used of God. God, God gets angry, doesn't he? You know, God in the, in the Bible, we, we have these emotional uh, aspect of God. You know, God... Uh, loves, God gets angry. It's not like our emotions. They aren't fickle, you know, like, or like the Greek gods and so on, or the myth, gods of mythology. But, he, but there's this emotive element to God's being, his persona that we see in the scripture. And, and, and the Bible talks about God's angry. It's, it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of an angry God, for a sinner to do so. So anger in itself cannot be intrinsically sinful because God gets angry. And the Bible, and I think, first of all, this is an acknowledgement that all of us understand, as humans, we get angry. And I think, as trite as it can sound, there is, a, there is such a thing as righteous anger in, with, within our human capabilities that, that we're not perfect. You know, this last week, we've already, we've already talked about, you know, this last week, um, you know, we, we, had, we, had, we had two tragic situations this week in our country. We had this terrible uh, bombing, a premeditated murder, you'd have to say, you know, and then a slain of a police officer, just a, the, basically just, just, just an execution, and then an attempt to, to try to take more lives. And when something like this happens, um, there is an anger, isn't there? You know, there's an anger that, 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 that someone would, would, would think this little of human life, that somebody could fall this far into sin, uh, and, and then to realize this is a daily occurrence throughout the world in, in so many countries. I mean, this, this happens every single day. And there's an anger when you see this kind of sin and you see this kind of behavior. And, and, and that is not a bad thing to, to be angry about that. To, that, that. That's a natural response. We saw in West Texas this week where many lives you know, were, were taken and, and property destroyed. And uh, you know, this explosion 
that was an accident. I mean, I don't, you know, we don't know all the details about it and everything and so forth. It appears to be an accident. You know, our approach to that is, is a little different. I, I, don't, I don't know that I had anger about that as much as I had sorrow and, and loss. And for those people that lost their lives and lost everything, just as much as those in, in Boston, and there's a, there's a deep sorrow about that. Now, if that were a perpetrated explosion, I'd have a, I would have a, an anger with that as well. So the Bible says that, that we are going to be angry. And there are times, now, I want to be a little careful here because uh, I also know that people will use this scripture as an excuse to be an angry person. <laughs> and if you're approaching this to say, yeah, he's right, I do have a right to be an angry person, <laughs> then you probably have a problem, <laughs> okay? And the people that I've known who like to have justification for being angry all the time uh, tend to have a problem with anger, okay? So if you're approaching this and saying, well, that's right, God says I can be angry, so I'm going to be angry all the time, um, I think you're misreading this. But I think it's a natural part of our human experience that there are times that, that we, get ang- we get angry with sin. There are times we get angry with, with you know, in, in the sense of, 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 of things that, that happen to other people especially, I would think, you know, there's sometimes there would be an anger if in, in the church at Ephesus, if those who came in that were trying to, to disrupt and destroy God's work, there would be a, a righteous type anger. But Paul clearly says, in your anger, be angry, the King James says, be angry, in your anger, the NIV puts it, but I do think the King James is close to the original. Be angry, it's an imperative, but do not sin. And that's our challenge. See, see, because God is righteous and holy, I don't have, we don't have to be concerned about God's anger being sinful. But as humans, you know, and I know, that so often my anger can produce sin. And Paul says, listen, in your anger, do not sin. Now, how do I, how do I do not sin in my anger? Well, I think he gives us the answer here. This is why this is so practical. Paul says this, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And so clearly the idea here is if if my anger begins to fester, if my anger begins to dominate, if my anger begins to lie there, and and I don't deal with it, if I'm angry with a person, and, and, and maybe there's a reason, maybe there's, maybe there's a, a good reason, but if I don't deal with it and I let it go and I let it build up, what happens? You know what happens. Pretty soon there's bitterness. Pretty soon it can lead to rage. It can lead to separate relationships. Um, you know, I've, I've seen this in my pastoral ministry too often and dealing with people to find out there, there have been separations that, that could have been dealt with, but we all know what happens when you have a, when you have a separation with somebody Maybe it's in a family, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's in the church, in your faith community, and uh, you know, it could be in your youth group, it could be, you know, whatever. And, and, and you, don't, you don't talk to that person, you, and you won't resolve it. And the longer time goes by, does it get easier or more difficult to resolve it? It gets more difficult, to the point where finally you just assume it's never going to be resolved, and you see this terrible breakdown of relationship that could have been resolved. And so Paul says very clearly, your anger can move into a sinful, angry state if you're not willing to resolve it and to deal with it. And, and, and it's very practical. Look at the, the solution. The solution is 
Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And the reason, a negative, a positive, and a reason is you are going to give the devil a foothold. And the, the original language, this is the word diabolos. You've probably heard this word. It's the word used for Satan in the Bible, in the New Testament especially, diabolos in the Greek. And you're going to give him a place, is what it says. Don't give him a place. Don't give him a place. And the NIV says a foothold. Don't give him a place to begin to grab you and to drag you down in this anger. You know what's interesting? This is actually an Old Testament quote. I don't know if you happen to notice. If you have a reference Bible, you will notice Psalm 4.4. Go back to Psalm 4.4 for a minute. This is not a psalm that is quoted in the New Testament. It's not necessarily, you know, there are certain psalms that are readily quoted in the New Testament quite often. But it's in the fourth psalm, and in the fourth verse, we see this. In your anger, it's verbatim. What Paul quotes is the verbatim Greek translation. In your anger, do not sin. It's an, it's an Old Testament quote. When you are on your beds, now look at here. See, this is where Paul says, don't let the sun go down your wrath. This is what the Old Testament says. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. And if you read this in, in its context, you know, the, the author here of David had plenty of reasons to be to be. Uh, angry with his enemies. He even calls down God's judgment on them. You notice in Psalm 4, the title of this in the Hebrew is an evening psalm. The Jewish day ends at sundown. Uh, you know, Monday starts at 6 o'clock technically tonight in the Jewish calendar. And, 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 the, and, the, and the author here is Psalm of David. He says, in your anger, do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. And so when, when Paul says, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, yes, it could be to take care of it before the sun goes down. But part of that taking care of it might be you. You have to take care of it. You have to come to some resolution. You have to be willing to, to give up. Sometimes we have to give up the right to be always right and to go to a person and maybe apologize, maybe ask for forgiveness or at least approach them and say, could we resolve this and, and, and take care of it. So as Christians, as those who've been given the gospel with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction, Paul says, in your angry, in your anger, if you're going to, in, when you get angry, do not let it become sinful. Do not let it take over your life. And there may be some here today that you have to honestly admit, this is where I am today. I'm really angry with the person. I'm really angry with somebody. Um, and, 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 I, and I haven't resolved it. And I want to encourage you, if you have deep conviction about God's word, will you do something about it before tonight? Will you, will you lie in your bed and, and give God time to, to meditate and to, and to, and to consider it and to, and to forgive and to give it up to God and ask God for his, his power and ask the Holy Spirit to enable you and lead you to forgive, but not just to forgive, but to seek reconciliation. Because if we don't seek reconciliation, we give Satan a place. We give him a foothold to begin to control us. Be angry, but do not sin. Verse 28, whole different topic. So these are kind of short staccato type, a whole different topic. Paul says, if, if, if you believe God's word has power, if you're convicted, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, 
then the stealer, he who has been stealing, must steal no longer, but he must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. So the negative, and it, and it says in the Greek, stealer, quit stealing. <laughs> if you're a stealer, stop it. Now, looking out over you this morning, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking there's a lot of people here who are out just out stealing. But maybe we are. You know, it's interesting. In the first century, the work world was a little different than ours. Many of these people, well, maybe up to a third of them were servants or slaves. That's possible. There were a lot of servants and slaves in, in the old world. Many of these people were day laborers. There were those who were craftsmen. There were those who had family trades like Jesus' family, like Paul's family as, as tent makers. Many of the people were day laborers. But we know that in the Roman system, uh, there was no such thing as, as any kind of social safety net. There was no help. Um, and I know when, when my dad died, uh, if it hadn't have been for Social Security, uh, you know, my family would have been in a very difficult situation. We, and, and uh, we, you know, we have these safety nets that we participate and share in as a community. And I know you have different feelings and different political views on these different things and so on. But there is good to that, too. And, and, but that wasn't the case in the first century. There was no unemployment. There was no safety net. There was no help. You, and so, so many have pointed out in this situation that for those who were not, who, who, who just couldn't work and there was no jobs, oftentimes to support your families, it was, stealing was, 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 the, was only the last resort, but a quicker resort because there weren't a lot of options. And Paul says, listen, if you've been stealing, stop it. If you're a servant and you've been taking from your master, stop it. And while you and I may not steal, we may not go out and rob and just take things, we could be stealing from our employers, for example, right? We could be cheating. We could be not working when we're supposed to be working. We could be doing, Paul says, stop it. Stop it. Stop stealing. Stop doing it. But instead, when you work with your own hands, when you're able to work, and again, you know, unemployment has is, is been a real issue in our, in our culture, in our society, and it's been very real for many people. And, 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 and I know the people I know that, that want to work and, it's been, and haven't been able to, it's been very, very difficult. And we, and we help out, we pray, and we work together, we try to pass on leads, and we have ways of helping one another. And Paul says, listen, work, and, but, but part of working, part of our goal in working is also doing something so we can share with others. And, and for those who are in situations where they're not able to work and they aren't finding any work, there comes a time when they are able to and then they're able to help. I mean, that's part of being a community. That's part of being a family. And, and, and this, is, this is spoken within this community of faith here, especially, Paul says, do good to everyone, but especially to those of the household of faith. And, and we have a helping fund that we've used, and God's been able to help us use it for many, many situations, to help one another, to help as a family. That's what we are. We're a family of God. But Paul says, listen, the negative, if, if you've been stealing, then stop it. And instead, be honest. And if you're able to work, to do so in a way that you can, you can help others. And that, I like that, what Paul says here, to help those who have a need. And of all people, we as Christians should evidence that and help and be able to help one another and to help in our community 
with those in need. This past week, we had our Shoreline uh, Pastors Lunch. We happened to meet at our church this week, about, I don't know, about 14 of us. And uh, Bill Bear from Shoreline Community Care was with us, and Rich Klein from our church who works with him. And uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. I want to encourage you. You know, if you, if, if you want to help in this community, and sometimes, you know, we're, you're not sure what to do. You know, do you just give out money to people you don't know? You know, I know that's hard because you don't know what's happening and so on. If you want to do something very constructive and positive, there's a Christian ministry in our community called Shoreline Community Care. It's sponsored by the Christians and churches in Shoreline. Our church sponsors them. We give uh, so much per month, and we've taken offerings. You can make a gift to Shoreline Community Care, and the thing about that is that money will be used to help people in this community. Uh, People are interviewed. They keep track. They share the gospel. They share spiritual guidance. It's not just a matter of just handing out, you know, handing out money. It's, it's a ministry. And I want to encourage you. That's a positive thing we can do. And if you're able, and if you have, if you have, and you want to make a gift, you can make it directly to them. You could put it in our offering and mark, you know, something like that. And we'll make sure it goes there. Those are good things to do. Verse 29. Look at this one. Do not let any. Notice it says any. This is not optional. It does not say well, for the most part, here's a good idea. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only the negative. Don't do it. The positive. But instead, what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit, that it may benefit those who listen. The word here for unwholesome is a word that you use for rotting fish. Some, yeah, gross, right? My aunt used to say fish and friends smell after three days. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, if they're living with you. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's, <laughs> you're welcome to come and stay with us. But, but uh, you know, this, this idea of, of a rotting fish, you know, that's a horrible smell. And Paul, but Paul compares it to that. He says our language can be like rotten fish. It can be putrid. It can be, it can be worthless. And, and Paul says, be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Don't let stuff come out of your mouth. And yes, cursing, swearing, foul language, you know, dirty jokes and so on, certainly. I think that, that's a given. But would we also include gossip? Things that tear other people down? Uh, statements, again, the people we live closest with, are, are we careful how we talk to one another? Do we, do we talk kindly to each other? Do we talk with respect? Do we talk with courtesy? Paul says, don't let unhealthy, rotten stuff come out of your mouth. But replace it. Replace it with what is helpful. And you notice the focus here? It, it's, it, the, the focus here is on that my mouth should be helpful to you. And the idea in the original language is it should supply what you are lacking and you should supply what I am lacking. That's the original language. That my goal in my mouth should be as I talk with you and communicate with you, as I talk with my, my wife and my family and my kids and grandkids and my neighbors and in my Christian community and in the youth group and in your Sunday school peer group and in whatever the small groups that our talk, our goal should be to help each other where we are lacking, to encourage, to build up, to, to be a part of each other's spiritual growth. Paul says, do it. The Holy Spirit. And notice what comes right after this. Isn't this interesting? It's in this context, that this verse that we know so well, it's kind of right in the middle of all this. 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's in the middle of this discussion about talking, about stealing, about being angry. Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Incidentally, this too may be an Old Testament quotation, believe it or not. We, we see in the New Testament clearly the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And this is indication the Holy Spirit is a person. You don't grieve a non-person. Only a person can be grieved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Look back at Isaiah chapter 63. If you go back in your Old Testament to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53 is servant of God's passage, but Isaiah chapter 63, you will see this in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you will see this exact idea. Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 10. Speaking of God's people. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against him. Then his people recalled the days of old, and they repented. It's interesting, interesting in this passage, if you go back to, um, for example, verse 9, in all their distress, that is, his people's distress, well, in verse 8 it says, God became their Savior. He too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up. He carried them all the days of old, yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. And you see there, this is, sort of a, this is sort of a sidelight here, but you see here the Trinity. You see the Father. I think you see the Son in his special angel. I, I personally believe in the Old Testament when his special ministering angel delivers Israel and goes before them. The angel of his presence is the second person of Trinity, is the Son, Jesus Christ. And you have clearly the Holy Spirit. You have the Trinity in this passage. And it's this passage, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, that Paul maybe have in mind here, that when he, when he tells his, the people in the, the church, the body of Christ, that likewise, I mean, this is kind of sad to think about this, really, that I could actually bring grief to the Holy Spirit. That I could bring grief to the Holy Spirit. How could I do that? By using my mouth in ways that tear my brothers and sisters down instead of building them up. By stealing. By being dishonest. Maybe by being lazy in my job. and, and, and not, if, I, if someone's paying me to do something and I don't do it. Or taking things from work. If I get angry. If I go to bed angry tonight with one of you. Or you go to bed angry with me or someone else and not willing to deal with it, would you be bringing grief to the Holy Spirit? You know, Pastor Schutz used to, and I, and I appreciate he was right. Pastor Schutz used to tell us it's, it, could be as, it can be as much a sin to take offense as give offense. Are you easily offended? Are you angry because you're offended by somebody that they said, and maybe they didn't even intend to hurt you, but you just, you're, you're, you're the kind of person that gets offended very easy? And you go to bed angry tonight, maybe you need to seek, you need to seek before God. Am I that person that's so easily offended? We can bring grief to the Holy Spirit. Finally, verse 31, we kind of lump a whole bunch of things together here. Get rid. Now again, this is a command. This is an imperative. This is not a suggestion. This is not just a good idea. This is not something you, you can say, well, I'll pick one out of these and I'll, I'll, I'll let the other go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, 
anger, so here's that seething anger that you haven't dealt with, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And we kind of lump a lot of things together there. Paul says, get rid of them. And if you're going to say to me, or if I'm going to say to you, well, that's good, but you know what? I'm sorry, but when it comes to that, that's just who I am. I'm just the kind of person who slanders people. Stop it. Get rid of it. Well, I'm just an angry person. I'm sorry. I just get offended easy. Well, stop it. Stop it. You can do it. Because the Holy Spirit will do it for you if you turn to Him and allow Him to, 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 to enable you to be what you already are. Paul says, get rid of them. But look at replace them with something else. And this is so important, friends. Please take this home with you today. This is so important. And I want to encourage you again. If you're not willing to do this with the person closest to you, don't tell me you're going to do it for the church or the world. It starts with the people closest to you. Be kind. Our God is kind. Behold the kindness of God. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Be kind. Be compassionate to one another. The NIV says, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Listen, friends, the negative, put these things away. And the positive, be kind. Are you a kind person? Why not? Be kind. Be compassionate. And then he says, and it's interesting, in that the, actually the word here is the word charis or grace. And it's a verbal form of it. Our NIV and many translations have chosen to translate it forgiving. And that's certainly true. And we'll see that in Colossians as well. But the root of this word, you could actually just say, be gracious to one another, just as Christ in Christ God has been gracious to you. How has God's grace been shown to me? Yes, by forgiveness. I have been forgiven by Christ, by God, for everything. I already told you, God is not going to love me any more tomorrow than he does today. I'm not, I have nothing to do to earn God's love. He is gracious to me. And God says to you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, be gracious to one another. To the point that you are gracious as God has been gracious to you. Forgive one another. Be kind. Be courteous. Speak kindly to one another. Husbands and wives, be courteous. Show to your young people. Show to your neighbors that that you can be courteous. I I thank God for the example that my in-laws left for me. Trainer Ostrid. And and, and I, I thank God for the for the example of this, of the courtesy and the kindness and the gentleness to one another that, that they just practiced in front of us. That was my role model as, as a young man growing up and, and seeing that. Do that for your kids. Do that for your family. Yes, there will be times we'll get angry. There will be times we disagree. But, 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 don't, but don't go to bed without resolving it. Take care of it. Talk to one another. Talk kindly to one another. Be compassionate. We'll be be coming to this later on in Ephesians. Husbands, be compassionate to your wives. Love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Be compassionate. Young people, parents, grandparents, family members, church, youth group, 
Be kind to one another. Smile at me, would you? (laughs) Be kind. Be compassionate. Be gracious. Why? Here's the reason. And we'll close with this. Here is the reason. Because Christ in God has been kind and compassionate and gracious to us. What an opportunity to go to Puerto Rico and, and, and what did they get out of this? They served, as, as, as Craig and Michael shared, they served. As Casey and Matt and as the other young people, as the, the, mis, the missionary trips we go on, the things we do, what's, what do we get out of it? We, we, we come home having served and lived these things, knowing that other people are going to be drawn to God and walk with God. But friends, I want to tell you again, I want to tell you again, if you are not deeply convicted, as Paul says, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it came with deep conviction. If you are not deeply convicted that God has called you to do this with the people closest to you to start with, don't think it's going to happen out here. It has to happen close. And as we do this with each other, in our families, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our, in our relationships, in our small groups, in our Sunday school, in our church, as, and it goes out from there, as we do this, people will see that the Word of God can come, not just from our mouths, but it can come with power, it can be truly the Holy Spirit, and there is deep conviction And that's what God will use to change lives. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. And it can be done. You believe that? Amen. Amen. Has anybody ever heard John not kindly ask you to stand? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, If you know, I don't mean choir members. Uh, you know what, uh, John, we've been friends for many years now, but there's another example to me. Uh, John and Shelley, I don't want to embarrass you, but uh, people who, who are kind and compassionate. And it shows in the next generation. It's going to show in little Sam's life. And uh, you know what, God honors these things. And one of the things I'm so thankful for, that I have a church home where this has been modeled for me. You know how I know that this can happen? You know how I know that it's possible to do this? I know people who have lived this way and are living this way. And I thank God for them. And we can too. And I want to ask you as you leave today, would you ask God, do something courteous today. Do something kind today and tomorrow. If there's one person that you're harboring anger and unforgiveness, it's time. Don't go to bed tonight without asking God to help you Put this to rest. Seek reconciliation. If you're having trouble with stealing, stop it. And if your mouth is a problem, and when I say mouth today, it can also be what you type before you put it out there on Facebook or any place else. Think about it. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm just saying think about it. Do I really want to say that? Is this something I would come up and and share in front of everybody? Let's be careful. Let's be good. Let's be kind. 
Let's be compassionate. Let's be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you love us and that you've given us the Holy Spirit and you have not asked us to do anything that you are not giving us the power to do. To think that we have to think that we leave this place, Lord, each of us that know Christ as Savior, we leave with the holy divine presence of God and the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How dare we say we can't do this? We can do this because of the Holy Spirit. Because you can do anything. And we thank you for calling us, for loving us. Help us to be those people this week that you have called us to be, beginning today. In Christ's name we pray.